The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Amen? Amen. All right, if you got your Bible, open it up to Daniel chapter 3, and then go to 2 Chronicles 16. Daniel chapter 3, but if you want to, if you like Bible app person, you don't have a paper Bible, go to 2 Chronicles 16, and we'll get to Daniel 3 in just a moment. We're in a series right now where we're looking at the life of Daniel and some of his friends. A series called Stand, because what we see in Daniel and his buddies is these guys had to stand in a culture that did not stand for God. And because they stood for God the right way, they impacted the culture they found themselves in. Even though it was an evil, wicked culture, they impacted it. And that's, that's where we find ourselves today. We live in a culture that's not for God, and yet we can stand according to the word, and we can draw lessons from them that will empower us to stand up in this culture and impact this culture for God. So if you were here last week, um, we talked about striking a balance, and we talked about how God has called us to strike this balance in the culture we live in, that we're to, we're to lift up the standard of the word of God in the world, But we're not to just beat people over the head with it. We're to do it in a graceful, loving way. That if we don't do it the right way, that we become like a clanging symbol. But that God's called us to hold on to the standard of truth. Listen, we're not saying that we're going to abandon the things of God or the word of God. The word of God is truth and every man is a liar. That's what the word tells us. And we believe that, okay? So we're not abandoning the word, but we want to carry the word and, and, and share the word in a way that can impact people. And what we see in the life of Daniel and what we see in the life of Jesus is there was a balance that they were able to strike between grace and truth. Grace says God loves you and he accepts you no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself right now. Grace says, come on in, but truth says, and come on in so that you can change and be who God's called you to be. That's grace and truth. And so we hold those standards up and we, we work to strike the balance in the culture we live in of those standards. If you missed last week's message, uh, make sure you go back and listen to that one. Today, I want to talk to you from the, from the topic of a loyal heart. Somebody say a loyal heart. A loyal heart. And we're going to look at the life of these three teenage boys who stood in loyalty when a lot was on the line. But first of all, 2 Chronicles 16 says this. Well, before I read this, let me set this up for you. There's a king named Asa who's in place. And if you know anything about this king, when he was young, he was actually really for God and was humble because he didn't know everything. Uh, But as he got a little bit older and started having some success, he began to kind of abandon God and turn away from the things of God. And so this is God talking to him and saying, hey, come back to me. And what, we, what we're about to read here is, is something that gives us some insight into the nature and character of God and what God is looking for in this world. Look at this, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to, the, to him. This verse says that God is looking for loyalty. I want you to say that with me. Ready? One, two, three. God is looking for loyalty. Do it again like you mean it. God is looking for loyalty. God is looking for loyalty. And, and the idea in this verse, when it talks about this, this search that he has for loyalty, is that it's not a passive thing. It's like he is aggressively searching and looking for loyalty. It's a nonstop, aggressive, high-speed search. 
He's looking for this. And he says that, it says his eyes are going to and fro. That means back and forth. So I imagine it's kind of like, you know, you're getting ready to leave your house because you got an appointment and you can't find your keys. You've been there before? And so you're walking around your house going, where are my keys? You're looking, it's an aggressive search for the keys because you got to go, you're late, you got to pick the kids up from school, you got whatever it may be, you got an appointment and you got to get there and you can't find the keys. And I don't know about you, but when I find the keys, I stop searching. You guys relate to that? Like, I don't find my keys. Oh, there they are. Where are those keys? I can't find the keys. Where are the keys? I can't. No, no, no. So understand, when, when God says he's aggressively searching for this, to and fro, to and fro, it means he's having a hard time finding it. It means it's something that's not easy to find. Loyalty is something that's hard to come by in the world today. This idea of loyalty is this. Loyalty is an unswerving. It means unswerving in allegiance. Complete in allegiance. A person who has given himself completely to the Lord. We know it. I'll say it like this. Here's what loyalty looks like. I'm down for you. Like I'm with you. I'm in the middle of this with you. And I'm in the middle of this with you no matter what. Like I'm in, I'm in this. I'm all in and I'm in. And, and even when I don't understand it, I'm in. I'm with you. And we, even when I don't see what the answer is, I'm with you. And even when it might cost me something, when it might hurt, I'm loyal. I'm with you. God's looking for that. And that's something that's hard to find. In the book of Daniel, we come across the story of these three boys. And these boys were a picture of what this kind of loyalty looks like. You probably know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But remember last week we said that wasn't their real names. Those were their slave names. And they received those names because they became slaves to the Babylonian Empire. Because one day their whole world was turned upside down. And I I think sometimes, many of you are probably familiar with the story, but I think sometimes we kind of fast forward through some aspects of this story that I just want to remind you of today. They're in slavery. And everything that that they once held on to is gone. It's gone. Like, we know from Daniel chapter one that they're the brightest and the best. So that means that in Israel, they were the brightest and the best. That means they were probably of nobility, that they were intelligent. It says that they were good looking, like they had a lot going for them. Things were going good. Their, their, their whole life was probably planned out. They knew what they were going to become. They knew, they, they, they received some of the best education. They, they knew the word of God. In fact, they probably had the first five books of the Bible memorized. They were, they were like ballers in their society. And then one day everything changes. One night, in the middle of the night, everything changes. And, and again, I, I don't think we can relate to this sometimes, so let me try to break this down for you. Like imagine you go to bed tonight and you wake up tomorrow and North Korea has invaded and taken over our world. And people come to you and they say, hey, everything's about to change for you. We're changing your name. You're gonna eat different. You're gonna learn North Korean speak Korean, you're going to, to serve in, in, in this kingdom, and actually you're going to end up being in the service, the personal service of Kim Jong-un. Be kind of scary, wouldn't it? Now, now put this into perspective. They were 14 years old. Like, how scary would that be? This is where these boys are. Everything that they once held tight to is gone. Familiarity is gone. Family is gone. And they find themselves in this culture, and I'm sure they're mourning the loss, and yet they can't show it. 
Because if they show weakness or they show any sign of mourning, this crazy dictator that they serve could kill them. Like if you upset his mojo, he might kill you. That's the kind of person that they serve. And, and I'm sure they're, they're trying to figure out how to navigate all this. How to, how to navigate now living in this culture that is completely different than the culture they came out of. Babylon is what's considered to be a polytheistic religious society. And here's what that means. All gods are okay. Serve any god you want. Serve your god. I'll serve my god. Worship all gods. Whatever. It's all good. It's all good. The only thing that's not good is exclusivity. The only thing that they look down on is if you worship one God and one God alone. That's what they're not okay with. So get this, polytheism says, we respect anything except loyalty. And yet these guys come out of a a, a society that believes there's only one God and that this one God requires exclusive worship. They know the word, like they know it by heart. They know what it says in Exodus 23, 24, when God says, when you come into a foreign land, you shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds. They know that their God asks for and expects complete, absolute, uncompromising loyalty. That's what he wants. That's what's expected. And now here they are in the middle of this. And up to this point, they've been able to kind of navigate it okay. Like there hasn't been a whole lot that's caused them to have to compromise. They've been able to kind of deal with some things, deal with the food issue. They've kind of accepted these names and moved past that. But then something happens in Daniel chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar builds a 90 foot statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, hey, when the music plays, stop, drop, and pray to me and worship the idol. And if you don't, you die. I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And just so you know, if you get thrown into a fiery furnace, typically you die. (laughs) So loyalty is now being called into question. And you know, if you think about it, that's how you know it's loyalty. Like you really don't know someone's loyal until they have a chance to be disloyal. I was praying on my way into church this morning and God said it to me like this. The proof of loyalty is realized when the convenience of disloyalty is rejected. I'll say it again because that's good. The proof of loyalty is realized when the convenience of disloyalty is rejected. See, a mark of, of disloyalty, one of the hallmarks of disloyalty is convenience. One of the marks of loyalty is 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 confrontation. Like, you, don't, you know someone's loyal. You don't know they're loyal until they have a chance to talk about you, but they don't. Yeah. You know, am I mic messing with you? Okay, I'm getting a signal here. Better? We'll see, right? No? Okay, I'm going to go handheld. Yeah. Somebody give me a handheld. Help me out. Help me out, people. Say, help him, church. Okay. All right. Am I on? Okay, there we go. We will edit all of this. Just pretend it didn't happen. Stay with me. Stay with me. So loyalty, a mark of loyalty is, is confrontation. You're going to face stuff. It's when, you, it's when things are tough that you stay loyal. That's when it's really loyalty. When things are easy, 
Like, you know, it's, loyalty's proven when you don't look at pornography. Loyalty's proven when you don't cheat on your wife. Yeah. Loyalty's proven when you can cheat on your taxes and you don't. That's when loyalty's proven. And so these guys are in this situation. Loyalty is on the line. And in Daniel 3, 13, they've just been tattletailed on. The kings of, the, some of the, the leaders in, in King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom come to them and they, they come to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, hey, uh, these guys, the music played and they didn't bow. They didn't drop. And so Nebuchadnezzar brings them in and it says this in verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? And then he says, now. And so he's saying, okay, I know you guys are some of the wisest, like most intelligent, like you're 10 times better than most of the people that are living in this, that are serving me. So I'm guessing you just didn't get this. So I'm going to give you one more chance here. He says, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. In other words, guys, if you just fall in the line, we'll just pretend this never happened. I don't want to have to burn you to death. Let's just, let's just kind of, you just, you just bow down and we'll just go from there. But if you do not worship it, the idol, you will, everybody say, you will will. be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God, notice the arrogance of this statement, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't bow, you're gonna die. Now, here's the thing. In in our life, it's very rare that we're gonna find ourselves, and and who knows, but it's very rare that we find ourselves in a situation where it's like, if you don't bow, you're gonna die, like physically. But what we do find that I think we can relate to from this story is there are tunes that the enemy of your life will play in our world that invite you to disobedience and to bow down to a, a God that's not God. Yeah. Like the devil knows what tunes to play. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. And he'll talk to you and he'll, he'll come at you with these tunes. My question to you is, what's your tune? Do you know what your tune is? What's that tune that the devil will begin to play, bring up in your life, spit in your ear, that causes, it causes the things of this world to loom larger than God in your life and then you, you bow? Maybe for you, it's your sex drive. Maybe for you, the devil knows how to to mess with you and he'll come to you and he'll whisper in your ear and he'll get you to bow down to his idol of pornography or walk off in in the middle of the night and get on a computer or get on your smartphone. Maybe it's, he he comes after you and he gets you to to get with your your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you go further than you know you should go. What's what's your idol? what's What's your tune? Maybe for you, your tune is the tune of acceptance. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe something happened when you were a child or it happened when you were young and it's caused you to have this hole in your heart and you don't recognize the acceptance that Jesus offers you. And so the enemy recognizes that. And so he'll come and he'll talk to you. And in in moments, he'll start to whisper and play this little tune in your ear. And it causes you to bow down and do things that you wouldn't normally do because you're so desperate for acceptance. Maybe for you, your, your idol is success. And the enemy will come at you. And most of the time, you know, you run your business the right way. You do things on the up and up. But, but if an opportunity presents itself, you know, you may bow down. 
Because it, you're going to make more money, which is going to be a blessing to your family. And, and even though, you know, it may not be fair, it may not be right, maybe I'm char- overcharging that person a little bit more than I should. I, I mean, it, in the end, it's, it's blessing me and, and I, you know, blessing my family. So, you know, I'm sure God's okay with that. Maybe as crazy as this sounds, maybe the tune that he plays that you bow down to is the tune of disappointment. Like, like the devil will come to you and he'll start playing this pity party tune and you start feeling sorry for yourself and think about how you were brought up and how things have not gone your way. And so you, you feel like that justifies you living a certain way or not doing what God's asking you to do because God really, maybe he hasn't been as faithful as you thought he needed to be. You know, I was thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If anybody had an excuse to throw a pity party, (laughs) it's these guys. Like if anybody had an excuse to go, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to bow, but here's what we'll do. We'll just, you know, cross our finger there and uh, bowing. There you go. We don't really mean it. We're just kind of doing this. And, but it's just, we just don't want to die. But, you know, why should we die over this? Why should we die? Look at where we're at. We've lost everything. In fact, you could even argue that maybe they've lost some hope in this moment. Because what you don't know is that between Daniel 2 and 3, there's a prophecy that comes in the book of Jeremiah. In fact, if you want to look this up, Jeremiah 29, there, there's, there's a prophecy that comes from Jeremiah called the, uh, a letter to the exiles. And this is to the Babylonian people. And it's a prophecy that God gives them because many of them are believing that they're going to get to go back home. That things are going to be like they once were. And Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord to these people that says, hey, God is going to restore Israel but not in your time. You're never going back. Those dreams that you had, those are dead. So build homes here. Build a life here. Get married here. And then we get one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Some of you have this up in your house, framed in a picture, on a magnet on your refrigerator. You quote it all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11. That comes at the end of a prophecy telling them they're not going back home. And God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That comes on the heels of you ain't going home. God says, hey, it's not going to be like it was, but it's going to be better. I've got something else for you. And I want you to trust me in faith. Listen, some of you need to hear this this morning. The old normal, it ain't coming back. Now listen, please don't. Pastor Josh is not saying we're going to wear masks forever. That's not what I'm saying right now, okay? What I'm saying is we have places in our life where we keep thinking, okay, if I could just get it back like that again, if it could just get there again, if it could just be like it was in that season, that, that's what I'm looking for, that's what I'm praying for, that's what I'm looking at. And God's saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing a new thing. And it's different. And will you trust me and believe that my plan in the new thing can be better than the old thing? Can I get an amen? amen. But that's where these guys find themselves. I mean, they could be throwing a pity party. They could be mad. They could be upset. But they choose to stand in loyalty. Can you stand in loyalty? Can you be willing to stand? Listen, God's looking. He's searching the world. He's looking for someone who's loyal. And he's looking and he's looking. Someone who will stand up. And when you stand up for him, he, he comes and steps in for you. When you stand for God, he stands with you. And he brings his strength to you. He shows himself strong on your behalf. When you get his eyes, you get his strength. God's looking for your loyalty. Right, can you pray the kind of prayer that says, God, 
I'm a little disappointed because it's not working out the way I thought it would. But in spite of what I understand, I trust you, Lord. That's faith. That's faith. Can you be loyal like that? Can you stand like that? What's your tune? What's your tune, church? That's a good question to ask yourself this week. What's the tune? Don't let the devil be the Pied Piper of your life, dancing you down the road to destruction. Don't let him do that to you. Stand. Be loyal to the Lord so that he can stand and show himself strong on your behalf. Nebuchadnezzar comes, he says, are you going to bow? You're going to die. If you don't bow, you're going to die. And it's in this moment that these guys have an opportunity to to show their loyalty. And I I think this is a question that we should be asking ourselves. What you do with the word is always an act of loyalty to one kingdom or another. So in this moment, here's what these guys have in front of them. They've got the word of the king of the culture that they're in but they also know the word of the Lord. And so which word are they going to stand in? Where's their loyalty really lie? So here's their response. Check this out. Verse 16. They've just been told, you're going into the fire if you don't bow. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Man, this is some awesome faith by some young teenage boys. What do they say here? Three things. They believe God can. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. They expect, number two, that he will. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But number three, they trust God even if he doesn't. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Our God is able. He's competent. We believe he's willing. But even if he doesn't do it the way we think he should, we trust anyways. See, see, here's how the the enemy wants to play at you. He wants to get you functioning under conditions. Because if he can get you to live a life where your faith is conditional, he can steal your faith away. Because if your faith is based on your circumstances, all he has to do is adjust your circumstances and your faith goes out the window. But if your faith, listen, their faith is built on the character and nature of the heart of God. Not just on him doing it their way. It's on who God is based on his word. And so they're trusting in the word of God and the nature of God and the character of God. And so their faith is stable in spite of what they're facing. Church, we need that kind of faith today. A faith that says, listen, things are not going the way I thought they would. This is a little crazy right now, but my faith is in the heart of God. I know the nature of the God that I serve, and he will take care of me, and he will see me through. Sometimes God delivers us from the fire. Sometimes God delivers us through the fire. He wants you to know, you know, when we face circumstances. I want you to know, it's okay for you to pray and say, hey God, I I just don't want anything to do with fire. (laughs) Like you're not a weak person if that's your approach. Like God, spare me from the fire. Like I pray those kind of prayers. Lord, I don't want the fire. I don't want that. If, If we can avoid that, that's great. Like praise the Lord, no fire, right? Some God, and God comes through a lot, probably more than we even know. Yeah. Yeah. He saves us from the fire. Yeah. 
But there's other times that God saves us through the fire. And we find ourselves in the fire and God wants to step into the fire with us and deliver us through the fire and deliver us to a new normal and a new life on the other side of the fire. Look at this, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Furious because these boys said, we ain't bowing. We ain't bowing. We're standing. We're gonna stand. We're loyal. We're loyal to our God. We're not gonna bow. We're standing. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times hotter than usual. I guess he wanted them to burn fast. Verse 20. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up, tie up. Remember that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And throw them into the blazing furnace. So it's in this moment, church. Get this. It's in this moment. They have been thrown into the fire. They have proven their loyalty to God. They know there's a confrontation. They know what convenience could look like, but they've chosen in this moment to stand and now they're in the fire and it's in this moment. God's looking and he's looking and he's looking for someone who'll be loyal. He's looking, his eyes are going around the world looking for someone who's loyal. It's in this moment, he finds it. And when he finds it, his eyes stop. And it doesn't just stop with him seeing them. He steps in in strength in the middle of their problem. And God himself, he doesn't send a person, he sends himself into the fire. And pre-incarnate Jesus steps into the fire with these boys to protect them. Look at this next verse. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? I bet his voice was cracking a little bit. (laughs) They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They're still not bowing. Unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. God sees loyalty. God saw loyalty. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking for someone who has a heart that's loyal. And when he sees it, he steps in. And he gives himself to that moment. And he steps in. And he protects them in the middle of the fire. Verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. His tune changed a little bit. You notice that? Remember earlier he was like, what God will save you? And now it's like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I love that he doesn't say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and whoever else is in there. He didn't invite the fourth person out. Hey, uh, you three by name, you come out. You can just stay in there, whoever you are. You're good. Go back to heaven. Service of the Most High God, come on out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that. This is amazing. Don't miss this. That, they had, that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I love that. Like, I, I don't know. I see Bible verses sometimes. I just see these guys, like, looking at these guys and being like, oh, my goodness. Like, holy, all the gods that we serve, look at them. There's not even a hair on. They don't even, they don't even smell bad. This is nuts. In fact, I bet they smelled good. Who knows, maybe some, you know, they didn't have deodorant back then. Maybe God burned the funk off of them. I don't know. 
But they come out and it says that they're, they're kind of untouched by the fire, right? But really that's not true. There was, the fire did affect them. Did you catch it? Let me show you if you didn't see it. Look at this. Look back at verse 20. It says, the strongest soldiers tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then verse 23, it says, they were firmly tied. And then verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar says, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound. Unbound, church. They went into the fire bound, but in the middle of the fire, the stuff that bound them got burned off. I hope you're seeing this this morning. Sometimes it's in the fire that God takes some of the stuff that's got you bound and He burns it off so that on the other side of the fire, you experience more freedom than you've ever experienced in your life. Can I get an amen? Maybe you're in the fire right now. Maybe you're in the fire right now. And maybe you find yourself in the fire, and maybe it's your fault that you're in the fire. You can look at your life and go, man, I'm kind of in this fire because of what I did. It doesn't matter. God wants to step into the fire with you, and he wants to deliver you through the fire, and he wants to free you and bring you on the other side of the fire to a better place than you've ever been before. Where it doesn't even smell. You don't even smell of the fire. It doesn't cling to you. You know smoke? When you're around a fire, it tends to cling to you. You ever notice that? Uh, last year, I had all this, these uh, tree limbs at, at, at our property that I had to burn. And it was like days and days of bonfires and burning stuff up. And I had these, these coveralls that I would put on when I would go out and burn stuff because it was cold and I was burning this stuff up. My kids called it my moon suit. I don't know why, but anyways, I'd put it on. I'd go out there and I'd burn stuff up. And, and since, I've brought that, those coveralls in and I've washed them. And yet, when I put them on, you can still smell some smoke. Because smoke has a tendency to cling. Like if we've been outside roasting marshmallows, you know, Sarah typically washes her hair twice a week or so, maybe. But if she's been outside, she got to wash her hair. Because that, that, she got a lot of hair. Thick hair, people. You can't run your fingers through that hair. It's like, whoa, you get, there's stuff. We find stuff in her hair sometimes. It's like, there's, there's our 2015 tax return. Boom, in your hair. <laughs> But like smoke, it clings, right? Have you ever, and you, ever, you probably met people before that you can see. Maybe they're even on the other side of the fire, but you still see it clinging to them. And they're angry. And they're bitter. And they, they just, it's just on them. But then have you ever met somebody before? And you get to know them, and maybe you're at like dinner with them or coffee with them. And they start telling you a story about something that happened in their life. And you're like, you, that happened to you? You, did, you had that happen? Because you would never know. It doesn't cling to them at all. Yeah. What, 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 what makes the difference here? I believe it's what you're close to. Yeah. What do you allow to be close to you? Because see, here, here's something about, about smells. You end up smelling like what you're closest to. Yeah. You end up smelling like what you're closest to. And some of you, the reason you smell like the fire is because you've kept the fire close. You won't let it go. You won't surrender it over to the Lord. But, but I love the promise of God. If you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. And when you draw near to God, He rubs off on you. And His smell will rub off on you. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 too that His smell is sweet. I think that's one of the marks that you've been with God is you're sweet. There's a sweetness to you. Because the sweetness of Jesus is rubbing off on you to the world around you. 
Maybe, you, maybe you've been in the fire. I, I, I want to encourage you. Let go of some of the stuff that was in the fire. God wants to burn that off of you, but you got to let it go. You got to draw close to him. He wants to be with you in the fire, but you got to be willing to draw close to him in the middle of it so that he can do the work that he wants to do in the fire. Church, we live in a culture that's going to ask you to bow. My question is, are you the kind of person that God's eyes will stop on? God's searching for loyalty. He's looking for people that have the kind of faith and loyalty that says, no matter what, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. We're living in a world, church, where we got to stand. we got to stand. The world needs us to stand. God needs us to stand. And the beauty that we find ourselves in is maybe, you maybe look around the world today and you go, man, there's a lot of fire going on. Whew, fire's popping up everywhere. Last year was just fire after fire after fire. It just seems like all these fires are popping up all the time. Ugh. The good news for me and you today is fire does one of two things. It'll either kill you or it'll clean you. It'll either kill you or it'll clean you. So listen, if you're alive, you can make it. Let me say it like this. Powerful truth coming at you. Get ready. If you're not dead, you're still alive. And if you're still alive... Jesus can be alive in you and with you. And he will stand and whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're facing, he wants to come alongside you. He wants to stop. He's, he's just looking. He's looking. Will anyone be loyal? Will anyone be loyal? Will somebody stand up? I'm looking. I'm searching. I want to stop. I want to bring you strength. But you got to be loyal. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.